Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode 107. Today's guest is Dr. Vicki Tiaze, and she talks to us about the polarity of activity and rest and how important it is as a professional athlete and what she does to balance it herself. She also gives us behind-the-scenes input on the future of nursing report and the new standard of well-being. So stay tuned. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome. This is Michelle. And this is Tracy. Welcome back. Another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yeah, that's a mouthful, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Tongue twister sometimes. Sometimes it is, and sometimes you could forget a word. Yeah, you can. You uh, can. You oh, can. well, hey, you know, someday we'll share all the outtakes. We will, we will, we will. Hey, but we are going to open up a wonderful podcast interview we had for the second time around with Dr. Vicki Tiaze, and it was fabulous. Yeah, she's so much fun. She is. I just love talking to her. She's a gem. And this time our conversation was a bit different. It wasn't in the middle of the COVID pandemic in New York City. <laughs> right, right. Right. It was a yeah. whole different, uh, different topic. And uh, really, really, um, I love what she has to share. I do too. So we've known Vicki for a while and we've kind of slowly unpeeled the onion that she's quite the professional athlete. And so we asked her to give us some of her, just her story about that and uh, what she's learned about the activity and rest polarity and her interest in coaching and helping other athletes. And I learned a lot. I did too. And I think it just shows you what's possible. Yes. I mean, she's a very busy professional and a leader. And yet she has this whole other aspect to her life. And mm -hmm. I think it's just a great representation of balance, you know, and how you can be more than one thing. Yeah. Because, you know, I've worked with her for a long time and you wouldn't even know she had all that going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I think she's a great role model. She is. Very inspiring. Very yes. inspiring. So yes. how about we introduce you to Vicki? So uh, Vicki Tiaze is a nurse informatician, a researcher. She's the director of research science in the Value Institute at New York Presbyterian Hospital and is an assistant professor in health informatics at Weill Cornell Medicine. She supports a range of clinical information technology projects related to patient engagement and is passionate about the integration of patient-generated health data into clinical workflows. 
Dr. Tiaze serves on the steering committee for the Alliance for Nursing Informatics and is the current chair of the HIMSS Nursing Informatics Committee. She also serves on the boards of AMIA, Node.Health, and the Karen Alliance. She's only doing a couple of things, folks. <laughs> she was appointed to the National Academy of Medicine's Future Nursing 2030 Committee to envision the nurse's role using technology to tackle disparities, promote health equity, and create healthier communities. She completed her BSN at the University of Virginia, her MSN at Columbia University, and her PhD from the U- University of Utah. And she's a professional athlete on top of all of this. All of that. Yeah, she's amazing. And so without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. Vicki Tiazzi. Welcome back, Vicki. We're so excited to have you on the show. Hi, great to see you. Thanks for having me again. Oh, you're welcome. And I can't believe it's almost a year to the date that we interviewed you. It was episode number 49. Back in June of 2020, right? And it was all about the pandemic then. And uh, so, yeah, And but we've been fortunate over the last year that you have been in our Court of Support membership group. And for our listeners, that's a group of individuals that really provide peer support to each other and ongoing coaching around achieving, thriving, balanced lives. Mm-hmm. And Vicki's been participating in that because she went through all our coaching programs. Yes. So we've had the pleasure of being with you for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now we're going to share you with our listeners. Again. <laughs> Again. Yeah. There's more to the story, folks. There is more. <laughs> and you're going to learn a lot more about Vicki today. So, Vicki, just share with our listeners some highlights of what's been happening for you over the last year. I mean, we all know we've been experiencing COVID. So, <laughs> right, right. Just yeah. Tell more. Um, yes, there absolutely has been a lot packed in the past year. And I'll uh, certainly dwell on some of the positives uh, on my end. So, Uh, About this time uh, last year, I had uh, just finished up uh, with my uh, PhD, so it was pretty exciting to have all of that uh, behind me. Um, Also, I, at that time, was alerted that I was named the Outstanding PhD student, and I was a finalist for the Outstanding uh, Female Student in Health Sciences, so um, pretty exciting uh, for all of those accolades. Um, the publications from my dissertation are all published, so it's a big few, got a lot of that taken care of, and uh, the other nice part, since the in-person graduation was canceled last year, um, just recently in May, they allowed the 2020 graduates to uh, be there in person for this year's graduation. So, uh, so I got hooded and, you know, really got to say thank you and goodbye to a lot of my classmates and, and uh, faculty. So, uh, so that was all uh, really nice to have that closure. And uh, on top of that, um, I was super excited to be inducted as a fellow in the American Academy of Nursing this past October. Uh, And then more recently, which I know we'll get to a bit later, the National Academy of Medicine Future of Nursing report uh, was released last month. Um, So I was up on that committee and gosh, after two and a half years um, so excited and, and proud of the work uh, that went on with that and, and to see uh, now it in dissemination mode and getting out there. So, um, so that's exciting. And then um, 
a little more on the personal front, um, as you mentioned, uh, working with uh, you both this past year, engaging with the Court of Support, um, it has been a, a real gift. I am being very intentional about goals in all aspects of my life and uh, working with the polarities that I uh, struggle with. And again, I will get to that a little bit later in our chat, but my swimming, biking, running is back on track. I'm reconnecting with friends and it's just been a really um, good time to, to reset. And I think it's something that I might not have done. I would have just kept going, going, going and not taken this, you know, uh, this pause to, to do this intentional reset. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Oh, we're thankful that you've been a part of it. Yeah, it's been absolutely. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all of those things. Thank you. That's I really know. fabulous. You're phenomenal. You, you are. Really are. You really are. And you just shared with everybody all the professional aspects of your life and how accomplished you are, what an achiever you are, and you're an athlete. Like on top of all of that, right, you you are a professional athlete. And I think that is just so inspiring, right, that it just shows the both end, right? You can have a, a very full, accomplished professional life and a very full, accomplished personal life mm-hmm. as well. And I think mm-hmm. you're a great role model for that. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey to becoming a professional athlete? Sure. Thank you. Well, I think now I might be best described as coming out of retirement. So while doing my (laughs) PhD, there was really no racing and I I coached um, just two athletes. Um, But but thank you for the opportunity to talk about my athletic endeavors. I I realize that it might be a bit out there for those that might not be in athlete circles, but I think my story does have some great connections to polarities and also how I'm translating, you know, my learnings and experience over the years to other areas of my life. Um, so, uh, so if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'll provide a bit of context to set the stage. Um, so I played sports, uh, certainly for as long as I could remember. Um, my dad was a big ice hockey player. And so my brother and I were on skates as soon as we could walk. And, I tried just, just about every sport growing up and eventually fell in love with field hockey. Um, and along with that, I discovered a talent for running. Um, and it was really through sport that I became you know, fascinated with how the body works, um, what it takes to get it functioning properly and optimally. And I would say that along with learning CPR and first aid as a summer lifeguard, uh, it propelled me, uh, you know, into the field of nursing, um, and then also played field hockey in college as well. So, um, so that's exactly uh, what I did. And um, once I figured out that I could not make a living as a women's field hockey player at that time. <laughs> um, I got a nurse. Uh, I'm sorry. I got a job as a nurse in uh, New York City. And um, uh, with the thought of of then concentrating on running and, you know, within a few months, I signed up for my first of of now 19 New York City marathons and and probably close to 40 marathons total. Um, And then, you know, fast forward a bit after a few years of marathoning, um, I was introduced to the sport of triathlon um, by one of my uh, European friends. 
And she said, Hey, you can swim, you can run, let, let's just get you a bike. Um, and <laughs> you know, that was it. I was hooked. Um, so, um, so it's interesting in uh, triathlon, not only do I need to master three separate sports, but it's also about how you put them together. So I think there's this added level of uh, complexity uh, for success there. So um, so it's always uh, swim, bike, and run in that order, um, but the distances vary in length. And my specialty is the Ironman triathlon. So that is the longest distance triathlon race. Um, so that's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and a 26.2 mile run, which is a marathon. So it finishes with a marathon. Um, and, and I do that in, in roughly 11 hours is my, my best. So on my second try, I qualified for the Ironman World Championships, which are held annually in Kona, Hawaii each year. Um, so in my mid-20s, my nursing career really took a backseat. Um, and, and while there's some money in triathlon, uh, it was not an Olympic sport at the time, uh, which it is today, which is great. So there's a lot more money uh, for the athletes. Um, so back then, my nursing job uh, really served to uh, fund my uh, triathlon career, if you will. Um, so I worked with a coach, um, had sponsors, tracked my nutrition, um, and over the years developed skills on what I call the fourth discipline in triathlon, which is really mental training, um, which is training your mind to listen to your body. So knowing when to put in the work and when to rest. Um, so I think this is a, a great segue into thinking and talking about that polarity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we do often talk about activity we and do. rest as a part of helping leaders understand, right, um, the tensions, mm -hmm. how to manage them in their lives and how polarities work. And um, we know that, you know, as you just spoke to, you really understand this very well. Um, and it's just a great example. When you're running a marathon, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon, right? <laughs> I'm going to go out no. and run 26.2 miles. <laughs> Let's go do it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I got this, right? Mm, no. <laughs> so yeah, really, you know, be, uh, when we think about it. It'll be very painful. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'd get very far. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, I'm positive we wouldn't. <laughs> so when we think about uh, the polarity of activity and rest and we think about running a marathon, really running the marathon would be the greater purpose, you know, in, in, in managing that tension between right. activity and rest, right? And of course, your deeper fear would be you're not going to get very far down the road, <laughs> that you wouldn't be able to run the marathon, right? So... There's positive outcomes as we increase our activity, and that really is, right, the building of endurance. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to run that full marathon if we don't have the endurance. But at the same time, we have to have the rest. And I think some people may or may not realize that it's really during the rest when you're building your muscle. Mm -hmm. And I think that just seems counterintuitive, right? And so I think sometimes people push, push, push because they think that's what's building the muscle, but that's mm -hmm. not really necessarily the truth, right? So, um, and we know, and you know, just like all other polarities, if we overemphasize one <laughs> to the neglect of the other, we're going to end up in negative consequences right. and, you know, uh, experiencing that downside, right? Definitely. 
So we're going to end up, if we're overemphasizing activity, we're going to end up with muscle injury. If we're overemphasizing rest, we're going to have muscle atrophy. Atrophy. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, either way, we've got to have both and we need simultaneous action on both. So help us understand, Vicki, like how do you kind of manage the tension between these two when you're preparing for a marathon and how do you coach others around that? Yeah, so I think this is this is super interesting. And I think your point about the the muscle breakdown and, and building back up the muscles is, you know, something that not all... Um, marathoners or athletes for that matter, understand, right? You put in that training load in, it creates micro tears in the muscles. And then with the rest, it actually, your body actually repairs those micro tears and makes them stronger. So you do that repetitively over and over again, and you get stronger over time. So that rest is so important. Um, But to your question. um, So I think the interesting piece is that the tension must be managed on many levels. So I think of it as, you know, macro and micro um, levels. Um, So during the week, I have some workouts that are rest workouts, right? So it might be an an easy spin or an easy swim. And that's, as you mentioned, to kind of keep your muscles loose, but but not to tax them in any way. Um, So that's kind of on that weekly level. And then, you know, on a a larger cycle level, I might have full weeks that are rest, right? So I'll have a full week of easy workouts. So nothing to get my heart rate up. Um, And then lastly, over the course of the year, I will have off months, which are, you know, typically after the goal races of my year, right? So if I have a, a goal race, you know, again, the Hawaii Ironman is generally in October. So if that's my goal race, I'll take off a a month or so after. Um, And then I would say in terms of the three big strategies that I like to talk about, and I think you hit upon um, each of them, have a plan and stick to it. Um, So to your point, (laughs) just, you you just can't go out there and, you know, just train all out and (laughs) and never have a plan (laughs) of any sort. Um, And, you know, I also like to say this doesn't include training, but it also calls, um, includes eating, sleeping, and, mm-hmm. and other activities. So you want a, a very holistic plan. Um, and then second, and this is actually something I, I say uh, in my work as a nurse informaticist as well, but it applies uh, so much here too. You, you can't manage what you don't measure, right? So I calculate my heart rate zone usage. I calculate training volumes, how I feel during the workouts. Um, and so all of this is, is very important in getting to uh, the third strategy is listening to the warning signs, um, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this as a coach um, is where I provide value to my athletes. So, you know, I, I take a look at their metrics and I notice they're not able to elevate their heart rate. So I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? You're not getting your heart rate up. Um, is anything else going on? And then I might find out that they have trouble sleeping, they're not hungry, they're irritable, they're run down. Um, a loss of motivation is another big one. So um, getting some of those not only quantitative, but also qualitative warning signs. Um, and I think for everyone, it can be very different. So there takes a, you know, a lot of getting to know uh, your athlete and um, you know, really uh, helping and, and coaching them on when not to push through. Um, another big one is when I see illnesses and injury popping up. Um, so, and those can, um, 
you know, get worse over time if it's not managed. So unaddressed, this can lead to burnout. And um, it's super interesting as I'm watching the Olympic trials over the, the last two weeks, uh, there's um, more talk than usual about athletes that have taken time off due to overtraining syndrome, or they were just burned out and they just had to shut everything down for a couple of months and start over, which yeah. for an Olympic athlete, that can be, you know, pretty uh, traumatic and career altering. Um, yeah. So it, it's really interesting that um, this, this idea of ensuring that there's proper rest and, and having that proper balance um, is, is being highlighted now, which I think is terrific. It is terrific. Oh yeah, yeah right? it is. It's it's just shows you how important being vigilant is as an athlete, and that all that's so internal. Um, along with the, I love the data that you collect too. It's just great. Well, and it's kind of like you got to yeah. know yourself. You know, yep. to your point, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So, like journaling, monitoring, tracking, all of that just helps you to know yourself. So that you can course correct quickly, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, if you yeah. are overemphasizing mm-hmm. or neglecting some aspect of your overall plan or your program. So, and I love a plan and I love measurement. So, yes. yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we just really celebrate that that's being highlighted now because it is a polarity. So it's 100% predictable and it's never going to go away. So if we can really understand that as athletes and coaches, It'll only make things better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just the, um, you know, I think people know you need both, but really mm-hmm. understanding the nature of that interdependency, right? And how significant it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, yeah, I need both. No, you, they are interdependent and it's going to act in that predictable way if you don't do one or the other. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. All right, we are about halfway through this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And we want to take a moment to share that we are very excited about a new program we've released. Let's face it, you and your teams have been through some incredibly stressful times, and it's challenging to know how to support the team and still take care of yourself in the process. We help healthcare leaders become thriving, resilient, and unstoppable leaders. We've recently created a new self-study program titled Caring for Others Without Neglecting You. In this self-study, you will begin to develop polarity intelligence to leverage the tension in your life and create your own personalized strategy for balancing caring for your team and you. Go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and enroll today. So Vicki, tell our listeners um, about your passion for well-being, which I know that you've had for quite some time, and a little bit more about your coaching and your coaching practice. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to comment briefly on the the journaling aspect. So I'm, you know, in terms of the coaching and the athletes that I decide to take on for coaching. You know, I usually begin with a, a bit of an interview uh, with the athlete. And, and one of the things I talk about is that, you know, I require regular feedback and regular check-ins. And if that's not something that the athlete is interested in, which, you know, I respect that it might not be, then we're not a good fit for coaching. So for me, that that is so important to get that regular feedback from athletes um, daily, uh, journaling, if you will, comments about their workout, how they felt things along those lines. So that is, is super important. 
Um, but back to well-being, yeah, I think this really started um, as a bit of a, a personal revelation for me. So in order to race my best, I really needed to fold it into all aspects of my life. It couldn't be something separate. Um, and, and also that my nursing skills are absolutely connected to my triathlon and coaching skills. So I really sought um, to leverage that. So I've coached uh, triathletes that are on high blood pressure medications, that are on anti-anxiety medications, that are transitioning through menopause. Um, for female athletes, I always take their menstrual cycles into account and make sure that activity rests, those, those macro and micro cycles that I talked about um, really aligns with their menstrual, menstrual cycle and how they feel around that time of every month. Um, and I think, you know, using again, that idea of, of being, you know, holistic, um, which I think is just so nursing um, has really benefited my coaching practice. Um, I also ask athletes questions about stressors in their lives um, and what are some of the current strategies they use um, to manage non-training related stress, right? So if they have stress at work or with their family, um, how does that work? Um, because mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people tend to um, compartmentalize so they'll say, well, you know, sport is over here and, mm -hmm. you know, my family is over <laughs> here and this is work. And yeah, I also do partying with my friends over here. And <laughs> I think that's, it, it's really difficult when it's, when it's all um, so very separate. So, um, you know, thinking about that holistic wellness, um, I think is, uh, is super important for our, for our health and well-being. Yeah, it's a great example. There's a it lot is. of there's a lot of interdependencies in all those as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Lots yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and lots, I think we can compartmentalize it logically, but when it comes to living, right, everything is impacting everything, everything else, else, right? Mm -hmm. so, Everything's connected. Like up here in the mind, we can say, "Oh yeah, I can put this in this bucket and that bucket," mm -hmm. but when it comes to our lives and our mental well being and all that, it's all a part of the same. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, congratulations again, Vicki, on being in the committee for the Future of Nursing 2020 to 2030 report. How exciting. Um, it's been so much fun just watching it progress. We've jumped on a lot of the webinars. Um, I actually had the chance to see you at the town hall that was in Seattle. And just the input that was taken from across the country. Um, and just to tell our listeners a little bit about the report, in case you're not familiar with it, it's 502 pages, so take that to bed with you at night and read it. <laughs> and it really encapsulates the vision and the recommendations on the committee on the future of nursing from 2020 to 2030, on the achievement of health equity in the United States, and it's really built on strengthening the capacity and expertise of the profession of nursing. And we're going to put a note to the report in our show notes, so you can check it out for yourself. And, um, well, the end result was the committee envisions um, 10 outcomes that position uh, the nursing profession to contribute meaningfully to the achievement of health equity. And one of those we were very excited to see mm -hmm. was on the well-being of nurses as a profession. And uh, so we just think that's a cause for celebration. And I'd like to read uh, the committee's actual outcome statement when it comes to well-being in the report. 
And they say that nurses attend to their own self-care and help to ensure that the nurse well-being is addressed in educational and employment settings through the implementation of evidence-based strategies and really calls on this for individuals and systems across the United States. So, of course, we kind of want to know a little bit behind the scenes on this particular outcome and um, anything that you want to just share with our listeners um, that was highlighted in the committee's conversations about it and how it's being um, really received right now on the whole well-being aspect. Sure. Thank you. And, and thanks for uh, highlighting this report. And, and thank you for your participation in the, the high-tech, high-touch town hall. It was you know, really instrumental uh, for the committee to hear from uh nurses and experts across the country on, on what we needed to include uh, in this report. Um, so, you know, essentially the idea of uh, self-care and, and what nurse well-being, you know, uh, is really grounded uh, um, in the fact that, that in order for nurses to do this kind of work and care for others, um, we need to ensure that nurses are well taken care of first. Um, so addressing health equity and caring for patients with um, complex social needs um, is really stressful and taxing, um, which we, we found in the evidence. And when we looked across the country where this was working well, you know, I'm thinking of a few places that we uh, visited in Seattle and then again in uh, Philadelphia, there were structures in place to support the nurses you know, a court of support, uh, if you will, um, for at the end of the day, nurses to talk through what they experienced, um, how they could overcome difficulties, um, you know, get, uh, you know, input uh, from, you know, their colleagues on how they could, you know, do things differently, what worked and what didn't. Um, so we really thought that was, uh, you know, super interesting and, and something of a, a best practice um, to really look at um, this uh, more systemic approach to well-being. Um, and in terms of a, a little bit of behind the scenes, I would say as a committee, we were very intentional about ensuring that we did not say this is about nurses having to toughen up or be more resilient. You know, although obviously self-care is a big component, but we really wanted to emphasize um, you know, maybe that part of the polarity, we wanted to be on the system side, um, since that is where the evidence guided us. Um, so is there a system in place where nurses have that coaching type support type activity to help them recognize the warning signs, right? So when they are, you know, having a very stressful day with, you know, a, a certain patient populations that they're taking care of, is there you know, something or someone that encourages them to maybe take that rest or, um, you know, more importantly, that not only is it okay to take that rest, but it's the expected thing to do. So I think that's the piece we sometimes miss, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we, we want nurses to take the rest. So, you know, thinking back to when I co coach with my athletes, I want them to give me feedback and I expect them uh, to, you know, follow that, that rest plan. Um, so, so it's also where I think this superhero narrative can be potentially dangerous because, 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, just like athletes that can get injured, you know, nurses are vulnerable human beings. Um, and uh, we really need to think about that uh, protection and, and to respect that. Um, so those are, you know, some of the things that we talked a lot about. Um, you know, one of the other interesting nuances in, in terms of the flow of the report, um, if you notice, it's the last chapter that is well-being. And, you know, we had a, a big discussion on that. Is it the first chapter or is it the last chapter? <laughs> and that, it would be nice if it was both, um, you know, but we ended up having that in there as, you know, our last main chapter, if you will, um, so that we were hopefully leaving uh, the readers on that note that this is, you know, a, it's actually also one of our largest chapters. So that this is a, a really important one to take note. Yeah. Yeah. I did notice that to tell you the truth. I'm like, where is it? Oh, there it is. Number 10. <laughs> but it's so important that it's there. And we just really celebrate that because we know the well-being of every practitioner is so critical. And um, just like the National Academy of Medicine and their national, you know, action um, collaborative, they're, they're, they are focusing on the system. And it's it and it's the person too. So it's an and in both. And I think um, by having more awareness of how important it is that each of us takes accountability for our own health, but we also have the system to support us. That's when we're going to really achieve the higher purpose of having healthy, thriving practitioners. And um, it definitely needs attention. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, the systems have to be in place to support yeah. it. But there are so many aspects of individuals' lives that lie outside that system that they that they're responsible for, right? That the system doesn't have any control over any influence on that impacts that wholeness to your point, right? So Yeah. Yeah, so it does take a little bit of both in, but it's Sick. just uh it's the call that one is not enough. One aspect of this is not enough, right? It's not enough for people to do their part. The system has to support them. So congratulations on that and yeah. having that included in the report. It's phenomenal. And I would just say it's true for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think it's, I think these are great precedents to have it be in a report like this for other clinicians to also, right, be thinking about this. And it just sets the mm -hmm. precedent for them to also explore what this means for their profession, you know? Absolutely. And I would say, you know, as a, as a final um, thought here, and this applies to the report in general, you know, the, the report shows our, you know, consensus work on reviewing the evidence, coming up with conclusions, and then providing recommendations. And this is truly just the beginning, right? So now it's how do we create a roadmap? How do we come together around this um, to move this forward in uh, the next decade? So, you know, it doesn't end here. Our, our work, in a sense, is just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And we know the last future of nursing report was the most downloaded report yeah. from the National Academy of Medicine. So we'll just see what this one does. And it, 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 that point's so great, Vicki, that this is just the beginning. Oh, yeah. A lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vicki. So now it's time for our missing questions. And this is something new we've added to the podcast since the last time you've been on it. And, um, you know, we know you professionally so well. And, and we thought we would ask a few questions just to get to know the personal side of Vicki. So... 
I'm going to ask you four questions and you just say the first thing that pops into your mind or if you could Got to give it a second or two. That's okay. Are you ready? <laughs> Only get one or two seconds, though, Biggie. Notice that? <laughs> oh, Say first thing on your mind, or you get one or two seconds. <laughs> yeah, ready. <laughs> All right. It's All right. Tough. Question number one. Fill in the blank. I am. Oh, boy. That's it. Um... Curious. I am curious. Good. That's great. <laughs> One of my top strengths is. Oh, boy. Um, one of my top strengths is, hmm, I'm going to say discipline. Yeah. I, you have to be disciplined to do what you do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what is a limiting belief that you've had in your past that you had to change up? A limiting belief you had to change up. Limiting belief that I've had to change up. Um, well, I'll actually connect it to our uh, conversation here today. <laughs> um, you know, that uh, my crazy endurance athletic activities are of no interest to anyone else. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so this has been great for, for me to... Uh, talk about it with a new audience. Um, so I think just, uh, yeah, that, uh, that there are a lot of aspects of my life that, uh, I can offer to others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very inspiring too. Yeah. What a great example, Vicki, yeah. you know, because we do, we kind of have, we, those things kind of keep us in a box, right? Mm -hmm. Those beliefs, and, uh, and I think, you know, we're talking about well-being, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about the things, and you touched on so many things as a part of being a marathon runner and a triathlete, you know, that apply to everybody, mm -hmm. right? So thanks for Thank doing you. that. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one last wrap-up question. So, um, you know, one of the principles of polarities is that all of us have a preference poll, when it comes to a polarity. So I'm going to share a polarity with you and I want you to share with us what your preference poll is. Okay, ready? All right. Doing and being. Uh, doing. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take you long. <laughs> no. And actually that might be a limiting belief as well. I've, I've always been told I have ants in my pants. Um. <laughs> <laughs> is that what helps you run down the road? <laughs> yeah. They keep me going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing those. That is yeah, awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, any last thoughts that you want to share with our listeners before we close? Oh, um, well, uh, you know, I think in terms of the activity and rest, I think that's a great one for us all to focus on. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. So uh, thinking about both and then uh, connected to the future of nursing report, you know, if you have thoughts or uh, questions or anything you'd like to share in regards to uh, reading it and uh, reflecting on it, I would love to hear about it. So please reach out. Yeah. Great, yeah. great. And we'll put your contact information in the show yeah. notes as well. I got one more question for you. Yes. 
So if I, let's say I decided, no, this is highly unlikely, but let's say I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. What would be my first step? What would you recommend I do first? Oh boy. Um, well, I think you would want to start small. Um, so I don't think you'd want to start right with the marathon. <laughs> so you might want to get a running base. I would, um, you know, recommend uh, reading up on um, marathon preparation, uh, books on running. There are some great ones out there. Um, some that are, you know, specific to females um, and, uh, you know, specific to your um, age as well. So there's a lot of great material out there. And, and then I would say, uh, actually talk with a coach. Um, so interview various coaches, um, talk with different uh, programs, um, get yourself connected with a group of runners. I think that's always very helpful because there's a lot of information sharing that goes on in running groups as well. So it's uh, kind of starting as a sponge, getting all that information. And, um, and then I would say, if you think that coach is right for you, um, coaches are very valuable from my perspective on both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great thanks. advice. Great yeah, advice. Yeah, thanks. I just, you know, I think there may be some people out there listening who have thought yeah. about it. Yeah. Don't know how to get started or what to do, or they may be inspired by you and say, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I would be happy to help guide and point in the right direction. Um, I am listed as a coach on the um, Roadrunners Club of America, which is a popular site that lists running coaches and also on uh, triathlon um, or triathlon USA uh, as well. So absolutely. Yeah. If you're interested to reach out, I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. That's awesome. Great. Thank you, Vicki. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank well, you. What a great interview. Yes. It's so much fun to talk with you about this side of your life. Yes. And you're so knowledgeable and inspiring and yeah, just, I've really enjoyed this. So Yeah, thanks, Vicki. Yeah, thank Always you. a joy to have you. Thanks yeah. for the opportunity to share. Always great to talk with you both. Yeah, all <laughs> right. Well, we'll see you later this week. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye, Vicki. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.